continuing with the homily series or sermon series on the precepts of the church. I'm going to skip over the third precept of the church today, and we'll put that one at the, at the end of the, uh, of the Lenten season, as it is uh, the third precept of the church is uh, you shall receive Holy Communion at least once a year, uh, typically during the Easter season. So since it mentions Easter, we'll go ahead and put it closer to there uh, and, and allow that reflection uh, to be kind of the culmination the culmination of these things. Uh, but to, to continue and, and uh, to pick up today on the fourth precept, the fourth precept is you shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence. You shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence. And again, these precepts are, as the catechism, catechism puts it, the very necessary minimum for the, for the maintenance of our spiritual care. And so this is the, the if you're going to be a practicing Catholic, you know, these are the, these are the bars that we need to at least reach uh, to be able to, to, to say these things and to allow the life of the Lord to, to be increasing within us and growing in our gift of faith. So there are two important documents for us that we can look to, as each of the precepts, interestingly, has, has a, a, almost an entire document composed about it sometime in the last 75 years. And so each of the precepts, you can go and you can find something written by the Holy Father or the USCCB, the U.S. Uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops. Uh, and you can find kind of a, a deeper dive into these things. So if anybody wants more information, there's certainly more that is out there to be able to chew on. And so the two documents that are, that are important for us to, to reflect upon during this and from which the majority of this information comes uh, is first a document from, uh, from Saint, Pope St. Saint Paul VI uh, called Penitemini. Uh, it's a document on penance, on fasting and abstinence. And so this document came, and this is the one that uh, most notably revised the obligations of Catholics uh, on Fridays throughout the year, removing the, the obligation to abstain from meat every single Friday. But we'll get to that in a moment. So that was, that's the, the one document. So that's kind of the, the main document. And then it uh, kind of punted a lot of things to individual Episcopal conferences. And so uh, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops had their own document that was released in 1966, shortly afterwards, to be able to, to establish what are the rules, what are the norms uh, for the United States. So what are, you know, what are the guidelines that we ourselves particularly are called to follow. In both documents, they indicate that there is an obligation to penance, and it is of divine precept. All right. And so again, divine precept means these are things that God has given us and that we can't exempt ourselves from. We can't, uh, we can't simply set it aside or ignore it. And so the obligation on every Christian to do penance is of divine precept. Uh, these are obligatory upon us. But the manner in which these things are observed, how we do this penance, how we live uh, penitential life in the church, uh, is, self, is often guided by, uh, by the hierarchy of the church, particularly by the bishop's conferences or the Holy Father. And so this is what we are given, these, these obligatory things that call us to this penitential life, but also to be guided in concrete ways that the bishops help uh, help us to understand uh, rather clearly, rather than to simply decide for oneself what penance one might like. And so uh, the first is the, uh, particularly going through with the U.S. bishops, their document as these things are the things that are particular to us, and so uh, kind of the things that are binding upon us and thus important to speak on, is they begin first with the season of Advent. And they said, well, Advent, of course, is a penitential season. We don the, 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 uh, the violet vestments. 
And it is a time of, of preparation. It is a time where we hear the call to repent of our sins, right? To prepare the way of the Lord, to make straight his paths, these kinds of things. It says, but unfortunately, the bishops indicate already in 1966, uh, if only they had a time machine to travel now to see what it looks like. Uh, but in 1966, they were saying already, uh, we see that, that Advent in so many ways has been lost because Christmas is already anticipated uh, before, uh, before Advent even begins. And so in many ways, Advent, the Advent season, the charism of penance during Advent has been almost entirely lost. And this is a, a grievous thing, a greatly sorrowful thing, because it is meant to prepare our hearts for Christmas. And so if there's no preparation, it's just celebration, 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 um, this, this certainly is, is not the ideal for our soul. Uh, there needs to be some preparation, and so they encourage us uh, to be able to, to try to live the life, the, the, the spiritual life of Advent, uh, but recognize that the, culturally speaking, uh, this is a, a very difficult task in many ways. They indicate then that thankfully this is not the case with Lent, that Lent still has its penitential characters, Lent still culturally uh, is understood. You can go, uh, certainly you can drive around town, you can see all kinds, of, all kinds of restaurants that have their Lenten specials out on the sign. You can, all kinds of special, you know, catchy Lenten phrases to invite you to come in and to try whatever their, their meatless options may be in the particular place. And even to see within our, our Protestant brothers and sisters how many, how many are, are observers of Lent, even of those that are not of mainstream, you know, the mainline uh, Protestant churches, uh, even there, there, there are many who, who understand uh, the richness that Lent offers to us, the value of uniting ourselves to our blessed Lord during those 40 days of fasting and prayer. And so we do have these things that offer to us the season of Lent. And so uh, it's normative. Most Catholics understand, uh, and, and uh, you know, I think hopefully we take in goodwill uh, the willingness to abstain from meat on Fridays and all the Fridays of Lent, uh, and then as well to be able to fast and abstain on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. So the, the fasting can be, uh, it's one large meal, but they permit a, a snack in the morning and a small snack in the evening to be able to, to hold one over. Uh, and so essentially that's where we get the, the, the one main meal, two small meals, not larger than the main meal kind of uh, normative protocol that's advised. But in addition to this, uh, the Friday abstinence and the Ash Wednesday Good Friday fasting and abstinence, they interestingly indicate and encourage that for every one of us during the, the Lenten season that we would self-impose daily fasting uh, as part of our regimen uh, and that we would strive as much as possible to be able to make daily Mass. And so that's why here, as well as numerous other parishes around the area, will offer extra masses during the Lenten season, uh, as this is actually guided by the bishops, saying, uh, again, part of the precept is if, if, if Mother Church says that, that the faithful ought to do something, then the clergy of the church have the like, obligation to make it possible to do that thing. Uh, and so if Mother Church says during Lent you should get to mass, if you can, and Mother Church also says, then priests make it possible, make it work so that more people can, can be able to go uh, and to receive the grace of the sacraments during this particular season. And so these are the, the things that we experience during Lent, the fasting, the abstinence, uh, and then the encouragement towards fasting each day. 
They point next to ember days, which are a thing that have often been forgotten in so many ways. Uh, we do try to observe them in some manner here, at least by kind of including them on the calendar and drawing attention to them in the bulletin, these kinds of things. Uh, these are days that are quarterly or seasonally throughout the year. It's a, a Wednesday, Friday, and a Saturday tied to specific liturgical or calendar days. Um, and these are days of, of fasting and prayer, particularly for the fruits of the earth. So they are seasonal, so they are very much tied to the things that are happening out in the fields, uh, as well as for the fruits of the church, namely in priestly vocations. Ember days are traditionally, Ember Saturday is has just historically, for, for centuries and centuries at this point, has been tied to uh, priestly ordinations. So on those days, the, the, the bishops would know that the faithful have been praying uh, and fasting on, on Wednesday, praying and fasting on Friday. The priests would be ordained as they were praying and fasting on Saturday, and there would be a celebratory first mass and a breaking of the fast uh, on, on the Sunday uh, that would follow. And so it's these kinds of things that are not obligatory, again, uh, but they can be fruitful for us uh, if we observe them. The fourth section that they include in here, the U.S. bishops in the 1966 document, is the one that often is kind of uh, the dead letter uh, that has been written to, to the faithful in America in so many ways. And it's the observance of penance on Fridays throughout the year, Fridays outside of Lent, right? And so uh, we, all, we all know that you know, it used to be the case that it was obligatory uh, that every single Friday we as Catholics had to abstain from meat. Every Friday throughout the year, no matter what, unless it was a solemnity, right? So on solemnity, on a, like on the Feast of St. Joseph, uh, when, it fell on, when it fell on a Friday last year, uh, we could eat meat on Friday, even during Lent, because this was a solemnity, right? Canon law says these things, right? And so uh, we can, in good faith, if one desires, do so. But the bishops indicate and point to this fact of, of removing the uh, obligation to abstain from meat on every single Friday throughout the year, and they actually wanted to make it more difficult for us. And so they saw that meat was, was too small a thing, or they thought it was, it was too easy, uh, that it was too common, right? And in the past, historically, um, that meat was more of a, a delicacy. Meat was more of a, a celebratory thing. It was something that wasn't as common, whereas now you can, keep, you can have meat anytime you want. It's, it's rather cheap, easy to get, and not, not, not always particularly a, you know, a, a, special, a special occasion to be able to have it. And so the, the, the bishops looking at this, they said it would be better for Catholics to be able to choose a penance uh, if, if, if they're not going to abstain from meat, it would be better for them to choose something that's more difficult for them. And so interestingly, the U.S. bishops in removing the, 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 the rule for abstinence on every, every single Friday of the year, in removing that, they thought they were raising the bar to make it more difficult for us. What actually happened is most Catholics forgot about it entirely and said, well, we used to have to abstain from meat on Fridays, but we don't do that anymore and just leave it at that. But the reality is that the bishops were very clear uh, in their understanding that they were removing the, the obligation to abstain from meat, but penance must be done still every single Friday. If you're not abstaining from meat, some other penance must be, uh, must be substituted in its place. And so there's a whole variety of things that one could fast from. Um, but to, to be able to, to abstain from these things, to be able to, to offer some kind of penance, is of obligatory nature for us. So on Fridays, uh, it's a day consecrated to the cross, and as such, we should taste the cross. 
the bishops uh, speak exclusively, exclusively of Lent, uh, or Fridays outside of Lent, as mini-Lents. Every last one of them. Every last Friday is a little mini-Lent for us to be able to, to draw close to the cross and to experience some sufferings by virtue of, of our willingness to do penance on that day. And so it's an important thing that's not often, not often heard um, and not often, not often in many places, at least in my experience, uh, has been practiced. Uh, as we, we heard the, you don't have to abstain from meat, uh, but we didn't always hear uh, or experience the encouragement towards, but you have to do something. And so this is, the, this is what the bishops have placed upon us as far as our own obligations as Catholics. Now, a few practical points on these things. Uh, the fasting that is imposed upon us, uh, the fasting for the, for the Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, is for those who are 18 to 59 years of age. Uh, and so this is if, if you are under that age or older than that age, uh, you are not obligated to fast. That said, you're certainly invited to. Uh, right? And so it's, uh, it's not an obligation uh, to do these things, but it can be fruitful. Right? These, are, these are fruitful things uh, that one may be able to do. For the abstinence from meat, it is for those who are 14 years of age and up, uh, those who are, are bound to abstain from meat on Fridays. Uh, there, is, uh, there is, at least in my reading of things, I was not able to find a place where it said anyone ages out. You know, if you're 60 or up, you know, you can, you can eat meat on Fridays with reckless abandon. That's uh, not part of the rules, huh? Uh, it just says, with, you know, from 14 and up, you know, there's, there's the, the observance of abstinence on the Fridays during Lent particularly, uh, but certainly it would, I think it was binding upon us during the general, general understanding of the abstinence through the year. And so uh, basically those are the, they, one has an age range, it's between these two ages, one has at this age, one begins through the course of the rest of one's life. Now, that doesn't mean that, that those who are under 14 uh, simply get to, to enjoy things and feast while their parents are, are having to, uh, to fast or abstain. Uh, the bishops say it's not obligatory for them uh, to do these things, but certainly it is fitting for parents uh, to be able to begin uh, to introduce penance into the life of penance uh, to their children. And so for the children to be able to join in some of these things is a normative and a good and holy practice. Right? And so... It's good to do these things, to be able to introduce children to the life of penance, and to be able to be uh, willing to be creative in ways that, that they can do penance themselves uh, that might kind of strive to do what the bishops anticipated, which is namely to do something that costs us a little bit, to do something that's uncomfortable for us, to be able to honor our blessed Lord, particularly on Fridays. As always, there are the practical, uh, understandable human elements of these things, that if one uh, is experiencing uh, some, medical, uh, some medical situation, if, if one is pregnant, if one has diabetes, if one has uh, some kind of other, other thing that, uh, that is necessarily tied to, to, to one's diet, uh, there is a flexibility here. Uh, Mother Church is not a tyrant in these things. Uh, and so it's understandable that uh, for actual genuine, genuine health and medical need uh, to be able to, to dispense with some of these things uh, is certainly an option 
Uh, and if, if that's a concern that's ever there, uh, feel free to talk with one of the clergy of the diocese. Uh, I know there have been certain uh, instances where I've had individuals who did have medical things going on, uh, and we're able to, to reach a good, uh, a good common ground uh, just by having a conversation about it, where they were able to, to participate in the Lenten sacrifice in the manner to which was, which was fitting for them, uh, but also to, to do so uh, kind of with, uh, with, with guidance and, uh, and kind of uh, encouragement from the church herself. And so it's to, to look at all of these things and to be able to ask the question in the end, why? Why is this important? Again, Mother Church has given us just a few precepts, only five of them uh, officially in the catechism. And so why is, it, why is it of the things that Mother Church sets for us as, as a low bar, of the thing of like at a bare minimum, do these things, why is it that Mother Church should impose upon us as one of these things fasting and abstinence? And this is a good question for us. It's not simply for us to be able to observe the, observe the rule, observe the law, because one can observe the law and be very, very far from the spirit of things. We know this very well in, in Louisiana. There have been many times where I've been invited to crawfish boils on Good Friday, which I would consider personally, and if anybody does that, feel free to be offended by this, I consider that grave sin, because crawfish is good. And you usually have beer with crawfish while you're, while you're eating, right? And you usually eat to your fill, and you have a good old time. And if that's our idea of penance, if penance is, I ate too much and now it hurts, we've missed our idea of penance entirely. And this is the reality. Even our fasting on, on, uh, on the, the Lenten Fridays, I once heard one of the retired priests of our diocese remark, he said, he said, I think it would be better penance for us all to eat plain bologna sandwiches on Friday and Lent rather than to, to simply say we can't have meat. He says, because not having meat in Louisiana is not really that big of a problem because we can go to whatever restaurant you want. You can order some kind of seafood platter. You can get it four inches tall, twice as big as your head, and you're technically following the law, right? It's the reality of things. And so... It's for us not simply to, to follow the law. The law is not the, the thing that, um, that is the, the most important thing here because we can follow the law and still be very, very far from what Christ desires for us as the fruit of these observances. Rather, there are things that are supposed to prepare us for the feasts by stripping things away from us. During the Lenten season, there's a, a continuous kind of stripping away, a fading away of things, right? The Gloria is pulled away. The Alleluia is pulled away. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll begin to have the, uh, the, the statues and images of the church will be veiled. And so visually, things will begin to fade away. And then the, there's a kind of a stripping away that prepares us for the celebration of Easter, when all things are unveiled and everything is broken out in full Gloria once again. And it's a, a, a hymn of great praise, but it's because we learn, to, we learn to long for that thing once again. And so these, the abstinence, the fasting, is meant to prepare our hearts, is to, is to, to kind of strip self away so as to be more and more inclined towards the things of the Lord, more and more able to receive the wonderful blessings that God desires to offer to us. It also, also part of the fruits of fasting and abstinence is that there is increase in self-mastery that we have a strengthening of our will, that we are not simply guided by, by the things that we feel in a particular moment. I, I feel like eating this, I feel like drinking this, but rather can be, can be guided and strengthened um, and to be able to, to choose for oneself, which indicates a freedom of will, uh, a freedom to choose these things, right? 
Uh, and so there is a, a self-mastery that is given. Virtue increases. Uh, there is, but also uh, part of the fruits of this, uh, again, because many of these things, they happen during penitential seasons, is they give us a taste of the cross. And the taste of the cross is a beautiful thing for us because it also has the added bonus, typically, of increasing our love for the Lord. Because whenever we experience suffering ourselves, and then we think of the things that our blessed Lord experienced, there naturally should well up within our heart a, a pr- profound gratitude to Him, a profound, a profound like, deepening of love for, for the Lord who has, who has done such wonderful things for us. And so being able to unite ourselves to the cross, being able to unite our own sufferings to His by, by taking up fasting, by taking up abstinence, and doing these things freely, not reluctantly, but, but freely enjoying them, embracing them with great love, they, they properly order our hearts towards the Lord. And this is really, this is the reason my mother church gives us these things, is it's because our, lady, our, our, our church, rather, our mother, she's the one who, who knows us because our Lord knows us. And mother church knows that, that we are sinners. They were people who are, who are very often kind of guided by our own will, by our own plans, by our own, by our own sentiments, the, the, the own desires of our own heart. And it's not that it's not a, a bad thing per se, but it's to make sure that we properly order them. And so the fasting abstinence allows us to be able to, to have our hearts ordered towards the Lord, to be able to set in line, to be able to seek after Him, not to seek after self, not to seek after our own plans and these things, uh, but rather to seek after Him, to be able to strip things away from ourself so as to prepare more and more to receive that which Christ offers to us. And so as we offer this Holy Mass, we give thanks to the Lord for the Mother Church who gives us these days to observe of fasting and abstinence and to be able to join them with them, uh, the, rich, the rich treasury of prayer. And we pray that we might increase in our love for fasting, our love for abstinence, that in doing these things, we might increase above all in our love for Christ.